Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Will. He has Wolf Parkinson White Syndrome. Let's talk about it. Do you need anything? Do you need water? Do you need anything? Water? No water. You got your shit? Okay. We'll be taking a break halfway through it all. If you need one, if you need one, you just say, yeah. just speak. We won't yeah. like, we no, won't but, uh, if pause, I'm getting but if you're close, like, I'll give you the timeout and then you can. Oh yeah. Don't even, just, don't even worry about to. that. That's like, um, just, just say, just, tell, yeah. just say it. Just yeah. Cause one of, one of the side effects of the many, many, many things is wrong with me is there's a lot of muscle tightness around my bladder. So I pee, oh, yeah. I have the bladder, like the functionally I have the bladder of like a four year old girl. You just pee all constantly. The all, all the time. The time. Yeah. Have you pissed yourself recently? No. Has that happened? No. No. Okay. So, all right. Hold on. <laughs> before we get, before we dive like right into the deep end. Oh, we're sure. starting. This is. Oh, this is it. We we started. It's already started. Uh, I just first of all, I fucking threw my back out this week. Oh my guys. god! Here we go. It. I look. <laughs> I. Here's the thing. It's really funny you say. Okay, here we go. You say to someone, "I threw my back out." And the person's reaction, I feel, is like, oh, that's a, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> when w- what I want their reaction to be is like, oh, no. Oh, no. But dude, if you were that in the, the worst, if you were in the hospital for like three months with a lung infection, I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah. Jeremy's in the hospital with a lung infection for three months. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Well, but OK, so any and I know t- if Taylor Taylor's not here right now, Taylor's in Nicaragua. Andrew. Yo. Hello. What's up? Andrew, the camera guy is sitting in for Taylor. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Andrew, the camera guy's here to fill in for Tay. But if Tay was here. He would be like, dude, I, I he can fucking empathize. know. He can yeah, empathize yeah. because he throws his back out like every second I've done week. it once and it sucks. Dude, it, it sucks. really sucks. You but can't... I've kind of forgotten about it. So when you told me you threw your back out, I was like, oh, that sucks. But it, I didn't give you it. I didn't I'm, give you the full sympathy. Treatment. I'm so yeah. sad. Dude, I feel depressed. I can't do shit. Like I have been sitting in this chair that I'm currently sitting in for like five days straight. Because and this is my wheelchair. Back. Like, I'm yeah. just wheeling around the house in this chair. Like, I feel like such a fucking failure at everything. It sucks. And this weekend was supposed to be like a big party weekend, and I missed out on all the fun. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to be watching the Super Bowl in agony because the Super Bowl is today. And I just wanted to say, I just wanted to put it out there. If man, there's that any... sucks so bad. Thank you threw you. your back. <laughs> <Man. laughs> Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Fuck. Thank God. Oh, how you doing? Is it, is it getting any better? Is there anything I can okay, do? Okay, 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 okay. That's enough. Coughing really hurts. This isn't a. This isn't Jeremy threw his back out. Uh, well, what is what is this then, Brian? Well, we have lead us into what this is. Our very special guest today is Will. 
And Will is here to talk to us about um, something that we don't really, none of us know about. Something that I think is probably a little more severe than uh, Jeremy's SI problems. (laughs) Yeah, I would say Uh, so. Will, so if you don't mind, uh, just me setting this up for a second. Mm -hmm. We have no idea. We, I, I actually don't know anything. Oh man! <laughs> and I, and Bry tells me that you've got quite the story. Yeah. Um, but what I do know is that when you arrived here today, there were a few requests, mm-hmm. which were we have a, you know our recording studio is in my uh, it's in this like room in my house, and we've got it's basically a living room setup. So if no one's seen it. You know, there's a, a big sectional couch that we can sit on, a couple of chairs, like comfy, you know, uh, sofa chairs, you know, like that you can sit on. Um, but your request was, I need a really hard chair mm-hmm. and I need something that I can like lean onto with my elbows. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, fuck. OK, so we were like, time to make sick boy accessible. So we went like through this quick sort of guerrilla style accessibility <laughs> workshop in the studio. Now you're sitting on a really hard chair. Mm-hmm. You're leaning forward. Mm-hmm. You've got your elbows propped up on your knees. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with the, what's up with that? What's the, like, why do you, oh, as man. opposed to sitting in like a nice comfy yeah. lazy boy. Yeah. And, and don't forget the like Looney Tunes ask ice pack. Yeah. Like, you've got this, this is literally big, something out of a Bugs Bunny. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. That's exactly. a legit ice pack. Like yeah. It is an ice pack from like the 1950s. It's, but it's the one you see on TV that no one ever has. Yeah, yeah. It's what would you, how would you describe that Andrew? Oh man. It's just like one, it's just a bag with a top on it, but it's like, I've never seen one of those in person before. Yeah, it's big like I ice like pouch. A, I feel like calling it a bag with the top on it is like it's almost like degrading to that ice pack because it's so like beautiful too at the same time it's got like this nice pattern on it and honestly got it that is like a 1940s like, a, like era yeah it's not a grocery relic. bag so that's it. that's clearly like an elite ice pack like it's not one of the small blue ones you put in your lunch yeah no so i had to look around for this one i stumbled onto it a while back but basically it's like a polyester satchel and what you'll do is pour water into it, and then you can mold it. So I'll put it in like a little plastic tray, put it in the freezer, leave it for like 12 hours, and you just kind of will put it back in whenever I need to use it. And was this handed down from your grand great-great-grandmother's <laughs> grandmother to it your is, It is. So it's an old Highland tradition. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, they used to use sheep's bladders and whatnot. Polyester <laughs> yeah. was like a big deal. For yeah. Yeah. So, so what, you've got it. You, you Again, just to describe for the, the listeners sure. who are, are, aren't here to see sure. it, but you're you're, you're leaning forward on your elbows and mm-hmm. that ice pack is kind of wedged between your thigh and your, your like mm-hmm. your, the lower quadrant on your abdomen on yeah. like the right side. So what's, what the fuck's going on? <clears throat> Jesus. Okay. So this specific, I use this specific ice pack to kind of slow some of the cognitive weirdness that happens because of peripheral nerve damage in my abdomen. But that's only one of the kind of many, many things that are, are wrong with me. So, so it's slow down easy. cognitive yeah. weirdness. Yeah. Like, so it's so this is part of the whole diagnosis. So the best way to kind of put this in context is I kind of live right at the intersection of chronic injury, uh, chronic pain and disability. A lot of what my kind of ills are attributed to is a vagus nerve injury, uh, which is one of the cranial nerves and kind of exits into the belly. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into how, you know, a nerve that's buried deep close to your spine gets injured. The vagus nerve regulates your 
gambling uh, addiction. No. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. I believe it regulates your uh, your sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. How do you or know your, this? <laughs> well, I teach yoga. He teaches there's, yoga. There's a couple of yeah. poses that actually um, that actually fuck with the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. and people who have okay, uh, there's a there's a there's a there is a syndrome. I don't want to say disease. There's a, there's some sort of like ailment that people have where if they go into any sort of backbend, it cuts off their vagus nerve and they'll like faint immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, so, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah cool. So, so when you go into deep, deep backbends like camel pose in the Moksha series, the vagus nerve is being, you know, affected and that's what causes people to have that really intense, okay. yeah. um, anxiety ridden feeling or like are running sh- low on breath or, or the heart rate starts to, to ramp up. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but does this give like some, sort I of, could be wrong about that. Does this give this like way. this, some sort of credibility? Cause I'm thinking of like the osteopathic approach mm-hmm. to like, um, uh, medicine, I guess. I don't know if that, no, it wouldn't be medicine, but like whatever a doctor does, whatever the word is for that. But, um, it sounds like, you're talking about your cognitive ability being balanced by this ice pack pressure near your lower abdomen that's mm-hmm. being pressed into this vagus nerve that's like near the center of your spine. So it, the whole body is like connected in this entire web, but that's like the osteopathic approach mm-hmm. to health, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Like everything is connected. Everything is, yeah. Like for example, my low back, the reason why it's all fucky is because my glutes are too tight and my my piriformis muscle is too tight and those things are not my low back, but they're all affecting my low back. Anyway, so essentially whatever. you just want Will to share his ice pack. With <laughs> yeah, you. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And that bitch over here. Uh, so, so coming back to your, you've got mm-hmm. vag, you, you have, what's up with your vagus nerve? <clears throat> so this is to put this all in context requires quite a long story. Right. Um, awesome. I'll try and move through it as briefly as I, I can. Well, let's, um, let's start at the very beginning then. Sure. Like, when did you first start noticing that? There let's were go through issues? the story oh, and be cool with us just interrupting you and saying a bunch of yeah. stupid sure. shit. It'll in the basically there. take a long time, but let's yeah. trust yeah. me. There's a couple avenues because there's a couple good. They're good stories now. They weren't good when they were happening. Kind of like when I threw my back out this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this all. So the whole 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 thing started actually. It was Christmas uh, 2011. And I got really, really bad case of strep throat over the break. Oh, I um, just had that too. Okay. Just anyway. <laughs> Fuck, man. I'm on a bad road yeah. here. I feel like. <laughs> Let's listen to Will for a minute. Yeah. Um, so it, it, looking back, this is like, it's like almost benignly funny. I remember sitting at like Christmas dinner, right? Like big turkey dinner, mashed potatoes, wine. I'm sitting here like at the family dinner table wrapped in a blanket, like ch- chewing little mouthfuls, you know, yum, 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 and then swallow. Oh. <laughs> and so repeat this for the whole meal. Um, so, okay, strap throat over the break, go get antibiotics, get over the strep. But I... I just have the really, 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 really low energy. I'm just kind of not getting better and not getting better. Mm. And one of the things that started happening is I started having weird um, chest pain and kind of weird tingling in the left arm. <clears throat> so at one point it got really, really bad. Um, I go into the emergency room in Toronto, if memory serves. I mean, this is like this is like so, so long ago. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about like 10 years ago? Seven like, years ago. 2011. 2011. How old were okay. you then? Yeah. 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. Um, so go in, 
get the work up. I'm kind of like dizzy and some weird chest issues because I was so I was a lifeguard um, when I was in high school, you know, trained. So it's kind of weird when you're on the other end of the symptoms. So I'm like, okay, chest pain, numbness in the left arm, difficulty breathing, weird disorientation. Oh, am I having a heart attack? What's going on here? Um, Or some kind of cardiac incident. So go in, you know, get the EKG, get checked out. Uh, all the doctors are kind of like, we, we don't know what's wrong with you. Only I learned later after the fact, when we went back and got the records, they had done an EKG. And what had popped up on literally on the physical form is abnormal heart rhythm, Wolf Parkinson White. So this Who's that? He sounds important. <laughs> yeah, so, is that so, your doctor's name, Wolf <laughs> Parkinson's White? <laughs> it should be. I'm guessing it's a bunch of like researchers in a lab from like 50 years ago. So I'm like, you know, like speaking of the 1950s, mm. a bunch of old dudes with like crew cuts. Ice packs like an actor. Ice packs It does sound like an actor who's like, used to be really good, but I lo- like I don't yeah. know who he is. I love yeah. how like, yeah. you're like, you're like a really intelligent <laughs> assumption of what is like a bunch of doctors, you know, coming up with something. I'm like, man, it sounds like Burt uh, Reynolds. It sounds like a wolf. Like the animal, I don't know what a Parkinson is, and white is the color, so it sounds yeah. like a white wolf named Parkinson, maybe? Oh, God, Brian, that's even, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's good to have an intelligent person in the room for once. Yeah. And Andrew, no, no, I'm not, you're not usually here, so I'm not, that's no shame to you. Yeah, I, got, I got you. Taylor's just dumb, too, so anyway. No. So this was the, this was the, the name of the irregular heartbeat so it's a syndrome syndrome. so it's wolf parkinson white syndrome they didn't catch it at the time it was only um afterwards so then so god i'm not like going backwards um so wolf parkinson white syndrome was on the form but they didn't tell me so this is the first of a long lines of perhaps the medical system not living up to its expectations. Yeah, something slipping through the cracks. Um, God. Cracks is a, yeah, that, that's a generous word. I would right. use ravine. Right. Um, so, all right. So what happens is I'm Toronto at this point. I'm still not getting over this kind of post-virus, you know, fatigue, which funny enough turned out to be later diagnosed as post-viral fatigue syndrome. So I've got two syndromes at once. I think that, that I don't know. But if like that, up that was until this point me. in your life, you've, you know, you healthy said you're like, like healthy, fit, no, oh, yeah. like no problems whatsoever. No, like I'm the, the definition of rude health. Right. You know, um, running, I ran a lot, weights. Um, I did Muay Thai for about eight months until I janked right. my knee up. Um, so this like literally came out of the blue. You're sick. And completely out of the blue. Spiraled since then. Yeah. Yeah. So particularly because, so the heart condition, a bit of context, it's a rhythm condition. Um, and but it happens. It's one of those weird things. It just comes out of nowhere in your mid twenties. Um, so I guess from like an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense. Is it genetic? That it's been passed is there anything on. genetic about it? Like, well, there is genetic aspects to it because there's one kind of sibling group where they have um, a lot of instances of sudden cardiac death, and a lot of people Ooh. just dropping. Although there's a right. funny story about sudden cardiac death. Um, Emily for Lishing, hashtag sudden cardiac death. Um, it is one <laughs> of those. It became a trick. If you ever go into the emergency room. And you want attention. You don't want to just get put on the queue. You just mention the words sudden cardiac death at some point when they're assessing you. And you see like their ears pick up or ears uh, perk up. But um, anyway, write that that one down. That's the secret to triage. Going to the ER, I'm like, my low back is (laughs) really bad. Uh, also, yeah. sudden cardiac death. Well, so anything? This, anything? <laughs> this 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 will this will uh, be relevant to the story in just just a couple minutes. So anyway, uh, to, to kind of move along. So they miss it that time. Um, 
but I get over the post bowel fatigue syndrome. I have another attack of this about three months later. I think in May of this would be 2012. Um, no real care. By this point, it's diagnosed. I'd actually had to come back here, went into the emergency room, and finally, with the help of my mother, actually, who came in with me, um, who's a GP in town, and had to push the emergency room doc to get the relevant test. Um, so I got diagnosed as Wolf Parkinson White. Your mom's a, a doctor then, too. So mm-hmm. w- without, do you think without that push, it would have been hard to get a clear answer at that point? Yes, um, this is so. This is actually this is a much kind of longer conversation, but it's one of the things I've been really lucky in my unluckiness to have a medical advocate all along the way, mm. someone both whom I can you know maybe bring with, especially for first visit to specialist appointment, because I I have some of an understanding of my multiple conditions, but it instantly legitimizes you, mm. and they're able you know she's able to give a much kind of deeper explanation, more relevant explanation of kind of the multifaceted natures of these conditions. Um, so you like kind of explain to her in layman's terms the way that you're feeling and then she's able then to reciprocate or tell that to the, the doctors in a language that is more um, understood by them mm-hmm. in a way where they can more clearly S- yeah, somewhat, diagnose you or, or somewhat care for you. Yeah, it's, so when we kind of go in, you know, I'll say – my kind of piece, and of course, everything's on paper, especially at this point. I've been to probably about a dozen specialists um, just in this province. But it's one of those things that if the doctor wants to ask more sophisticated questions, um, if they want kind of more details of the medical history, what have you, it's one of those things, having an advocate in general, it's one mm-hmm. of those things I say to people, like, if you ever need to go to the emergency room. Bring your mom. Bring, bring, <laughs> yeah. bring your I mean, doctor. That's, that's what I do. That's um, what I do. My mom is like, my mom is the exact mm-hmm. same thing for me, except my mom's uh, a, a, an LPN. She's not, she's not a, Anything, she's not a doctor, yeah. but she also is she's a medical professional. She, yeah. She's a medical professional and she is like the most hardcore advocate for myself yeah. in those situations as well. And she doesn't take shit. From yeah. She one. wouldn't fuck around at a high no. figure. Like she Dude, would it's tell so straight, fun yeah. to yeah. watch. Yeah. She's great for it. So just bring your yeah. mom when you go to the ER so, is basically yeah. the Will, moral of the story. You, you said this is like may you kind of like get this official diagnosis yeah. of Wolf, um, Wolf Park is, Parkinson White? Yeah, Wolf Parkinson White, WPW for short. Okay, that's um, easy for me. Whipple. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so so I got the diagnosis, I think, in like March. I have another attack in like it was May or June. Then comes September. So are you, have you, sorry, have you mm-hmm. like done any research of your own at this point of, of what Wolf Parkinson White oh, yeah. is? Yeah. And what were you kind of finding out, uh, Cole's notes? Um, oh God. So, so it's a rhythm condition. Uh, most people who have Wolf Parkinson white leave perfectly normal lives. Um, the best way I can describe it is like, you know, okay, you look, um, think of a, a heartbeat on a monitor, right? Mm-hmm. You get the, like the little spike, the big spike, and then a little post spike. Mm-hmm. Um, so bum, 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 bum. Um, what with me, it's kind of like bum, 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 It doesn't come back to a resting point between okay. the big spike and then the follow-up little spike. So you, your heartbeat's like jazz, whereas everyone else's heartbeat is like standard hip-hop. Yeah, except for the kamikaze pilot that lives in my heart. Whoa. And this is, I'm going to get, we'll get to this. Um, <laughs> because one of the things is Wolf Parkinson White, most people is benign, they're able to manage it through medication, or they just have palpitations on a regular basis right. or what have you. With me, I had all those but then every three months, my heart would try to kill me. 
What the fuck? Dude, if Taylor yeah. was here right now and you're talking about this sweating. irregular heartbeat he'd be stuff, sweating. he'd be like, oh my God, maybe I, I, I have, have Wolf Parkinson yeah. White. And and more so, in the, obviously, in the mm-hmm. benign sense, because he said to us a number of times in the last couple of years that like, oh man, guys, I just had this like really irregular heartbeat and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm wondering if I should get checked out. But Taylor's the type of person who would almost never, ever, ever go into the <laughs> hospital to get checked. Becca, Becca just recently uh, went through that with her heart. It was like having some weird shit. This is she's, uh, <laughs> she's waiting to see the cardiologist. But so come back to this. This your heart is that part of the Wolf Parkinson White, the Whippet? Yeah, the, your heart just going ah, and now I'm going to shut off. Um, for me, yeah. Okay, I just and is that like a rare? That's yes. just a rare. Yeah, the fatality rate for this condition is pretty low. Right, sub five percent. I'm probably about two percent. I think. Okay. But can you feel um, that? Like when your heart's beating irregularly? Like, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's something I think every single person who has a normal heartbeat takes for granted. Yeah. Is that like your heart just continually pumps blood yeah, right, all yeah. the time, every second of your? Entire I don't existence. think I've had palpitations, but I feel like I am, and I don't know. Maybe this is not actually a thing Mm -hmm. but like have you ever been scared so badly that you feel like your heart stopped for a second right i does that happen when you get scared does your heart like does your heart go irregular for a second funny because this entire podcast is is having somebody in to talk about their conditions and then us just going i think i know somebody (laughs) who had that it's it's funny you mentioned that because that actually is one of the um the signs that something bad's going to happen is i think it's called a preatrial complex and it's basically it's like someone gives you a little shot right to the solar plexus. Oh, dude, your when heart you did that stopped. when you hit your chest, I'm like, too. dude, is your heart going to be okay? Yeah, yeah don't uh, do well, that. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would. Um, so this all leads up to September, and so this is this is a bit of a story. Again, funny now, not funny at the time. Um, so it's September. I'm in Toronto, and I'm in a. It's kind of an indie production of uh, Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. Um, so we're in tech rehearsals. It's September 24th. We're rehearsing my death scene. Oh, dear. Um, so literally it's 10 a.m., 10 p.m. at night. We're getting right to the end. I'm, I'm playing Antony. I'm dying in Cleopatra's arms, you know, um, and then boom, you know, lights go up. Director says, okay, like we're, uh, we're done for the night. See you guys tomorrow for dress. So I, I still remember I'm lying there. I open my eyes, look up the light, and instantly I'm, I can feel something's wrong. And it's, it's a really weird feeling. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience where you go from like zero to 60 with vomiting. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, it's all of a sudden like, oh, shit, something's wrong within five seconds. Yeah. You're just like in the bucket. Yeah. I know somebody who has. Me. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Me. Like not too long ago. And it's fucking painful. No, I know that feeling. Yep. Yeah. And it just comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Yep. So I, uh, I stood up, you know, looking at the director in the house um, and I could instantly feel like that, you know, kind of indigestion in my heart. Mm. And I said to, to Jillian, the friend of mine um, who was playing Cleopatra and was a producer, like, I need to go to the emergency room right now. So I kind of quietly leave, you know, go down, get my stuff, pack a bag. She'd called a cab. We're at the um, Buddies and Bad Times cabaret space mm-hmm. in Toronto. Um, so we get outside call a cab. Um, and I feel really, really bad. Cause I, I called, um, you know, there was no one in town to call, but I'd called my, my, my poor mother and I could tell cause she's, she answers like, oh, Hey, how you doing? You know, cause it's like 10 30, you know, 11 o'clock at night here. Um, and I just say, 
I'm having a really bad attack. I'm going to the emergency room right now. I will call you and update you as I go. And my phone is now dead. And then you take yeah. the battery, throw it down, crush the phone. And you're like, yeah, good and luck, leave mom. And then fly to Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah, um, right. No, so and, – and I feel really bad because there's a second I can hear her click over from like, oh, it's just a normal night. I'm going to talk to my son to Panic I am a medical mode. professional. I have to triage this. Yeah. And I can hear that click over. So – we're in between the time of like the, oh shit, I'm going to vomit, except in my heart. And it's about 10 minutes until we walk in the front door of the ER. I walk right up to the person. I say, my name is William McGregor. I have Wolf Parkinson White, a very severe condition, um, family history of sudden cardiac death, and I'm having an attack right now. Instantly get behind the counter. They sit me down. They hook me up to the monitor. At that point, I have a resting heart rate of about 185. Whoa. And it never really goes down from there. Whoa. Um, It actually stays. So I have in 185 is like you're that's sprinting max. Yeah. Yeah. Sprinting. Full on. Yeah. Yeah. Giving her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they don't know. Like, and because I, looking back, it's one of the things that maybe it was really beneficial to me that I'd been a big runner, especially kind of like um, running fast 5Ks and 10Ks. Right. So my heart was actually in really, really good shape. And part of me wonders is, does that help me get through that night? Um, because it stayed above 150. Um, Jillian, the person I was with, says she remembers it going above 200. I don't because That's I crazy. was only semi-conscious but at that point. But that would point. have to play a factor. Because mm-hmm. like a heart is a muscle. Yeah, if absolutely. You, yeah. you use it, oh, yeah. if you exercise and like use it to that, to that max heart rate, mm-hmm. like obviously it's going to have an ability to sustain that. Yeah. Yeah, you probably well, it's like yeah. it's like if you're I mean you look at it like a muscle and you compare it to like a bicep and if you're doing mm-hmm. bicep curls of an in, uh, like quite a bit of weight and then you have an attack on your bicep muscle the bicep muscle is probably going to be stronger and able to bear that but if you had that same attack on your bicep and had never done bicep curls well, before Well just think yeah and bicep if someone's not like really no physical condition whatsoever and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're sprinting as fast as they can for how long did this last like um, so it was about three and a half hours. That's great. They, yeah. So they, they got me and they got me in the bed. They hooked me up to the monitor. And so I'm in a, a trial fibrillation right now. Um, so my heart is just going, it's going crazy. Um, so yeah, it, and I, it was, it's bizarre. Like a Kenny G Christmas album, you know, man. So I'm looking up and, and it's like hundred and you know, 160, 175, 162, 190, like boom, 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 whip song. And it's, it's a really weird experience that I think kind of really in, in metaphors to kind of be in my own head, the best way to describe it. Um, do you guys like roller coasters at all? I fucking yeah, love them. I love roller coasters. Okay. I have a love hate relationship with roller coasters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So maybe you'll, you'll, um, you know, you'll kind of relate to this. I hate that sensation when you're strapped in and you're like trapped and you're just like, hold on along for the ride. Yeah. It was literally that almost exact experience, except it was my own body. So I'm like the body's going okay. Are you like sweating and out of consciousness? Like are you just out of it? Can you just not handle it? Are you really conscious and like conscious to semi-conscious? Like it, it literally. I'd be kind of like okay, and then when it would spike, I'd like kind of start to drift off and then come back in and then start to drift off. I think the really scary thing about that though that that doesn't equate to roller coasters is the fact that in a roller coaster you get on, you generally think. This is going to be scary, but I'm safe. Yeah. Right. right. There's but safety when, standards for roller coasters. Right. But when you're going through that, you're like, this is abnormal. Yeah. Uh, and it's scary because I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. But have you ever played Roller Coaster Tycoon? No. I See, that's the thing is I was building roller coasters where the end 
it just ends. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, launching these motherfuckers off into space. They're blowing up. People have no idea what they're in for. Right. So, yeah. you know, Look, if, if there was, hashtag roller coasters. If there, there was, if there was a, if there was a Wolf Parkinson White simulator that I could play. Uh, yeah. Great. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd give her a go. Yeah, but I think they have but, that yeah. in VR. Actually, I was oh, thinking God. that your, your, uh, your roller coaster clients were coming to my sim hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, so, so how? What? What? What's the 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 conclusion here? Like, how does this resolve? So they tried a, a chemical drip. I think it was procamamide. I don't know why I remember that. Um, and it didn't work. <clears throat> it had helped a bit um, to bring it down a little bit, but I think it was at this point. It's you know one a.m. one thirty a.m. and the ER doc comes in and says, "Okay, we've tried the procamamide drip. It's not working. We're going to have to cardiovert you." Um, which is so they wheel me into the main room. So that sounds horrible. <laughs> Are you like, yeah. what is that? We're going to cardiovert you. Basically, yeah. what it yeah. means is we're going to take you, and from your mouth, we're going to turn you inside out. So <laughs> yeah. you're just going to be an inside out man from here on out. Well, so this is so it's less dramatic than you see, you know, in, in the emergency room TV shows. You know, it's like clear zap. That's car- um, that's cardioverting. So that's um, no, that's defibrillation. Oh yeah, the, right. yeah. Fuck, of course. That is, um, Jesus, how many CPR courses have I taken in my life? <laughs> and I just asked that question. But it's the it's okay. fuck me. That's okay. If he didn't say defibr- defibrillate, um, yeah. then you wouldn't have known. Then people, well, it just would have kind of went by. Yeah. But we'll yeah, point right. it out to the point yeah. where well, it's, now everybody's like, "What?" It's functionally the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what they do is is they take you in and they put a sticky paddle here and a sticky paddle here, but they hook you up to a machine. And what the machine does, is it finds the exact right point in your abnormal heartbeat to go boom. And give you the zap. Oh, interesting! Um, wow. So they put me under first. They give me um. Pro- kind of like pro- it's kind of like blowing into uh, uh, like an NES game, <laughs> you know, just like a quick like and Didn't then work and it's, yeah, <laughs> put yeah. it back in, see if it plays normal. Yeah. Um, so they put me under. <laughs> and so there's there's a it's kind of a I mean a funny story now. So they put me under, and I'm at this point I'm. I'm fucking scared mm. because I've been here. I'm first off. I'm exhausted. Yeah, you I just mean, had I've a rehearsal. Been, you just re- yeah. you just rehearsed all night. <laughs> yeah, and then you rehearsed just all night for and three and a half hours. Sprinted for three and a half hours. Oh yeah, that part. That yeah, part. yeah, that. yeah. So they uh, they lay me down on the table, and I'm um, I'm looking up at the ceiling, and yeah, there's just this. It's a weirdly weird moment because there was this moment where I'm looking up, and it like a physical sensation was like I may not wake up. Yeah, and it's a lot of different to this, I'm going to die someday in the future in this kind of existentialist Sartian Ooh. way to know right now. Like this, like three seconds is all I got, you know, two seconds, one second. Right. Holy fuck. That would be, wow. it's, it's, it's a really intense. bizarre feeling when it kind of comes home to you physically for the very, very first time. Was there any peace within that or was it just all <sighs> no. like horror? It wasn't. I mean, it was so short too. It was like a spike of emotion and then the profithal hit. And Profithol is what Michael Jackson used to take to go to sleep. And Robin Williams has a really great line. He says, taking Profithol to go to sleep is like um, taking chemotherapy because you're tired of shaving your head. Um, (laughs) So this stuff hits. (laughs) And I have about about three seconds of like being transported to like the fifth fifth dimension. Yeah, right. Like, holy sweet Jesus. I am through this. And and it's funny because they told me afterwards. I said, oh, you know, the ceiling looks like mushrooms. That's not what I said. I said, oh, this is like being on mushrooms. (laughs) Um, And then I'm out. The next thing I remember is 
kind of groggily, still somewhat stoned coming to with Jillian um, in the room. And I, I, I still remember this. I said to her, in my haze, I thought they hadn't done it. Like they put me under. They just hadn't done it yet, right? So I'm like, what? It didn't work. Whatever they gave me, it didn't work. Because I didn't think I was. I had gone under. You know what it work? Big bottle of Jameson. <laughs> um, she doesn't find that funny. Um, but eventually I come out of it. Um, the, the cardio version worked. Heart's back to normal. I am like falling over exhausted. But we go to, so we get discharged. They send me they home. They discharge you? like Yeah, they're not supposed to do that. I learned about this after because there is like, I think, a 20% chance that the abnormal heart rhythm will come back overnight. Do you, you think you, they would wow. keep you in and like just check you out for a night? So this two. is the second case of medical error in just one year. Man, I, um, thought, I thought when you drop the sudden cardiac death card, then you're going to get like the elite level treatment like i shouldn't that be like the premium pass like Ooh. the best i just keep possible? coming back yeah. to the fact that your heart rate was near 200 for like three to four hours yeah, yeah. i just yeah. keep coming back that you've got a fucking like tech dress rehearsal a dress rehearsal yeah. tomorrow <laughs> yeah and that means yeah. that there's a show probably the next day or later that day yeah. well i that was we jillian and i had a conversation she kind of it was half joking right because she's she's the producer of the show and she's like man i hope you don't die because uh you know so will kind, the show. Kind of leave me in a bind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, show, dude. And, and, and that it, it's a legitimate point. Um, so anyway, so that is actually go, one of my greatest fears. I've had yeah. nightmares of that. Yeah, of missing <clears throat> being shows. in the lead and dying, yeah. and then no, not dying, but Cystic getting fibrosis. sick right before you, the show. Have right. you watched Birdman? Yes. When he gets yeah. trapped outside the theater, yeah. I started having a panic it's attack in the theater. It's awful. Yeah. Like, like this yeah. is this is just like, yeah, um, yeah. And I've had a I've had a recurring nightmare as well of uh, it's the opening of the show, and, you and I haven't I haven't studied my lines once, yeah. so I don't know any of my lines, and yeah. I'm going, oh fuck, <laughs> oh fuck. Um. So yeah. hold on. Let's just before we go any further. Did you sure. do the show? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. So coming back, you get, you get discharged. Thank bad God. idea. So bad discharged. Idea. Um, we go to the I can 24 hour Franz downtown Toronto. It's like yeah. 3 3 30 a.m. I love the that. Place, college and, down. College and uh, one of those side streets downtown. Yeah, yeah. College and young, basically. Yeah. So, you know, get home, um, get some sleep, and yeah, and walk in for the next day at half past noon for dress. So, fuck. And were you so completely that, beat the next day waking up? Or was I was pretty like, tired. Yeah. yeah. Probably worked for the character, though. Yeah, a little bit. There's a weird, you know, particularly when you're, when you're, you know, Anthony's a very, very interesting role in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a sense of foreboding. And particularly at the end when he's, you know, thinking of death and ruin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a weird subtext to have going on in your own brain. Dude, that's re- yeah. it's really, I found it to be pretty dramatically ironic that you experience that after you just died in the man performance too right yeah like you can't like if i had told if i had written this down in a short story people wouldn't believe me right yeah. it's so absurd mm-hmm. like it's too on the nose right like no nah, no nah, come on oh he rehearses his death scene and then almost dies that's very very so silly you said that um uh this was the second air that they let you go yeah but was it did it end up being an air that caused problems no not not in, in, in that thankfully you know i didn't have another attack in the night and die in my sleep or, so it was more so the, the fact hospital. that they should have just monitored you longer yes. because of the 
the the probability or possibility. Who told you that? that? Who told you that that was the that was a no no? Um, my mother had mentioned it, and then another doctor um, right. later. I right. kind of well, I remember doing a like I've done some history with so many doctors, like sat down and explained the whole thing, mm-hmm. and, and um, I think a couple of them have said like that's they shouldn't have done that. Right. Um, look, like nothing happened, and to be frank. I was not going to miss that dress rehearsal. No, yeah. I was alive. Like statistically, right. this was the time I was least likely to die. Was right after an attack. Once I it was in the clear. So yeah, I'm in the window. I'm going to do the show. The, mm-hmm. the show must go on. Right. Um, so um, this is this is a number of years ago. Yeah. This is this is only like this is like ten percent into the story. Yeah. Um, You're you, but this goes far beyond the. Williams Parkinson White Wolf yeah Wolf Parkinson White Williams <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> this goes beyond that. Yeah, um, just call it Burt Reynolds. Syndrome. Yeah, Burt Reynolds syndrome. Uh, what I'm trying to like figure out how to go about asking this question, but like what. What else is wrong with you? So why why the ice pack? Mm-hmm. You know the, what I mean? Like what's yeah. like what the fuck's going on with you? So okay, so the next step was surgery, and so everything that's oh, wrong wow. with you right now stems from uh, complications during surgery. Oh, uh, and then sure. it, Holy it shit. becoming um, internal injury, muscular, but specifically a nerve injury becoming chronic. So this is surgery for the Burt yes. Reynolds syndrome. Yeah, for Burt okay. Reynolds syndrome. <laughs> um, so I have so. I have that attack September 24th, 2012. Um, I have surgery for November 26th, 2012. That seems pretty quick, like a, yeah. a two-month yeah. turnaround for a, what I imagine to be a pretty intense surgery, too. Yeah, it's an intense surgery. Um, it's not that invasive. Um, so what they do, it's, so it was called a, a cardiac catheter ablation. Uh, and do what, they go through your groin? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that the fucking dumbest thing you've ever heard you in your life? Other places you you're go going, in. oh, you're going to go to my heart, but you're choosing to enter from my groin. Mm-hmm. Like, why not the nipple? Like, why not go through <laughs> just, my nipple or like my fucking nose? It's just like, I think your nose is probably closer yeah, yeah. to your fucking heart than I your do color. a little bit less painful. Yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry. So they go in through your groin. So they go in through the groin. Um, what they do is they thread a catheter up through the vena cava into the heart. Um, what's a vena cava? Beautiful, beautiful walk. It's a it's a <laughs> yeah. really nice hike in, in Spain. Yeah, oh, okay. it's it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a UNESCO Fucking site. Gorgeous. How many people yeah, know that's that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they throw. What is it though? Actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's, it's, like it's the main the, artery, the main vein. Okay, um, going up through the leg. So they go in through the wrist, or they go in through the groin. I ironically, oh, can't they my go in through the neck in, as well? I think so. Maybe not for this procedure. Okay. Okay. I sure. don't know. I feel all. like I've heard they go through the neck, but maybe it is wrist. And so it, yeah. you know what? It actually does make sense that they go in through there because mm-hmm. it's like, it sounds to me, it's like a highway almost to it access is, a major city. Like, that is exactly right. Like it's like a catheter in your dick, not going through like your groin area, but it's going through your dick. Too. No, 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 no. It's going through like, like where you're, where you're. That's what I was like. Why would they do that? Like next, next to your nutsack. Like, yeah. But like, there's this, the obvious tube coming out of your body it's attached to two balls yes. it's your dick we're just going to go through that because you know yeah but the, why not? the dick doesn't have a main i don't believe a main a vena artery. Cava. Uh, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, that, that beautiful, beautiful hike. So, <laughs> so they go through the groin with a catheter right mm-hmm. into your heart. Mm-hmm. And what it, what are they? Are they trying to? Are they trying to mend your heart in some specific way by like what is the procedure? So what they do is so up through the catheter they put this. Um, it's a microwave emitter. Whoa! So they actually will cross. They'll cut through the chamber, valve, ventricle, I, I don't, sure. whatever part of the heart is. Um, and they find the bad nerve and they burn it out with the microwave emitter. Whoa. So because it's the nerve that's causing the heart palpitations. Yeah. yeah. yeah so <clears throat> not numb necessarily the palpitations. Cause I still, I, even to this day, I'll still have issues, but it will remove the lethality of it. Um, so okay. what the best analogy I can use is, you know, every three months, basically my heart kind of puts a gun to my head and pulls the trigger. Um, what the surgery did was remove the bullets because it still does it. I mean, I still will have, like, Ooh. I can feel the heart go, I'm coming for you. And Ooh. I just kind of sit there, you know, monitor it. Some, sometimes, um, about every three months I'll have an attack that I will go to the emergency room. Most of the time though, Jesus. it's been relatively benign. Um, and there's still, there's still the chance it'll come back, you know, Ooh. knock wood. Um, cause I'm young and from what the surgeon told me, that is not necessarily a good thing because the body heals itself. Right. So there's a chance that it will heal that bad pathway. Wow. So your now, body's like slowly like, I'm making bullets. If, I'm a coming. I'm a coming. It, yeah. If it finds the Walmart in the States and gets yeah. the bullets, right. yep. <laughs> can you remove those bullets again? Can you go in, can you do the same surgery again? I hope so. Right. Okay. All right. Um, they didn't say anything like we can only do this one, one time. No. Well, that's good. Well, one time was enough. So I get in the procedure. Um, I'm under on the table. They start the burn. Um, so they start microwaving my heart from the inside out. I'm jolted awake and I no, sit up fuck on the off. table. No, Whoa. this is again that's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So I, co- I come out of the anesthetic and I sit perfectly upright. And all the, the, do- are the doctors like, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, they're this all motherfucker. Behind, they're all behind the screen. They're like, lay down, lay down, lay down, lay down, lay down. Whoa. Um, no, dude. Yeah. That's that's kind of like a horror movie. Oh, yeah. That makes my back hurt more. Yeah. Dude, I've been yeah. watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy lately, so I'm just like <laughs> right in the in the operating room when I think of that, you know, just there beside uh, Derek Shepard when he's doing the surgery. And yep. man... That's intense. Were you freaking out? Were you just like, (laughs) were you like, get me the fuck out of here? Like, what's going on? What's this thing in my groin? No, because in a weird way, I was pretty clinical going into it. I think they kind of gave me a bit more anesthetic. Like, I also have a weird relationship with anesthetic, like dental work I've had done, I've had problems with. So I might have a weird tolerance with anesthetic in general. That certainly didn't help me in this case because they, it was, I remember... It's laying there on the table, they're doing the procedure. They've got, you know, like, it's like a, you know, the, the cockpit of the space shuttle, right? They've got monitors and cameras. Yeah. So I'm actually asking questions because I've done a bunch of research on this. And in a weird way, it, for me, it was a way to kind of process and cope with this. Like, okay, where are you now? Where are you now? And I'm pretty sure mm. they kind of shot me with a little bit extra to put me under just so I'd shut up. Um, but it wasn't <laughs> enough that when I got jolted awake, that I didn't set up on the table with the catheter running up. Oh, I just huh, pictured this the scene spine. in Pulp Fiction where oh. they have to give uh, yeah. the girl adrenaline. And they put the marker on her chest. Oh, and yeah. Then stab I don't her. know. You stab her in the heart. Stab yeah. her three times. No, no, stab her three times. Just, yeah. just fucking break, yeah. stick it in her heart, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's a good movie. So is that what caused the issue here? That, yeah. that jolting upright? Yep. Oh, get so the fuck out. So that caused a wow. lot of internal muscle damage. 
um, and then oh. specifically nerve injury, nerve injuries. Oh. Um, again, suggested, suspected vagus nerve injuries because it's one of those situations that I'll, I like. I have been diagnosed with vasovagal symptoms. Ah, vasal vagal syndrome. Yep, is the thing that I was trying to talk about earlier. Yeah, where you just like faint all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Basal vagal syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Vagal with a V. Okay. Yeah. So to kind of, I mean, this is, again, this is, this is over the course of months, but I'm not getting better and not getting, I'm discharged. You know, the surgeon talks, you know, my folks who have come up, we actually ironically went to see the Grey Cup the day before. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, November 25th, 2012 was like the hundredth Grey Cup or 150 Grey Cup or whatever it was. Kind of a crappy game actually. Um, (laughs) But then I'm just not getting better. And not getting better and not getting better. Um, and I think it was about, and looking back, is, this is a really stupid thing, but I think it was either a week or 10 days after the surgery. I'm like kind of get, because I've been you know, the picture of rude health before this, right? But I couldn't get out running. I couldn't go back to the gym. So I'm, I'm walking. I'm doing okay. I go to meet a friend of mine um, downtown Toronto for this lecture. And I'm coming down, I think it's at Wellesley Station in Toronto, and literally the, the subway doors are about to close, and so I just kind of run that little bit, mm-hmm. and I feel something pop, oh. and instantly get on, and I start to get this kind of weird cognitive kind of dizziness, disorientation, difficulty concentrating. Well, now you're that guy on the subway, yeah. where everyone's going, this ah. fucking guy, Mr. Um, Drunky Poo over here. Yeah, so I make it to the lecture, but about halfway through, I go to the emergency room. Um, oh, don't get any follow-up to see, you know, anybody for this. Because I, I, I mentioned it, okay, you know, I had this procedure, but something went wrong. I don't think the emergency room doc believed me. So when you, mm. just to rewind just slightly, sure. when you had that surgery, when they microwaved the nerve, mm-hmm. and then you popped up, did they recognize the fact that they had made an error in no. terms of... Like, no. how often do they do, do that surgery? Is it something yeah. that's like super rare? So they didn't know that you would wake up or, you know what I mean? No, I think that surgery is like, it's pretty, pretty I so, mean, not yeah. common, but like, it's not, it's not a, a so rare basically surgery. like the fact that you popped up is like something that like, was it their fault or is that just a freak thing that happened? I have no idea. I, right. It sounds a little bit like a, a freak thing that would happen, but also like it wouldn't be, it would be more of like a problem with the anesthetist or or the like the anesthetic that you had Mm -hmm. um and your tolerance like you suggested could be a possibility so and and the fact that like it's likely it's unlikely i i feel and i don't know this is just my assumption it's unlikely that somebody who's coming out of um that sedation would jolt upright as well like they Mm -hmm. probably notice that or be able to find telling signs that they're coming out from the anesthetic and Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe give more. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, you're dealing with the heart, too. Yeah, and it's a great, yeah. Right? So, like, you're going in there and if there's some sort of, like, I don't know. Like, your heart is is the thing that keeps you fucking getting up and jolting up every day when we wake up. You know? Like, it's the thing that allows us to... So if you have, you know, if you, if you're in there fucking around with the heart and the anesthesiologist is like, well, this, like this on paper, he should be asleep. Right. But then something happens and they, you know, nick a part of your heart and the heart just goes boom, 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 boom. And then you're like, whoa, then you get up. Yeah. It's pro like, to me, it just seems like a total freak occurrence Right. that mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't see that coming. That sucks. And I never got a clear answer on this because one of the things, um, you know, later got the surgeon's report. 
he doesn't mention me coming awake at all. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And it was one. So he had verbally said it to me, said it to my parents. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a clear answer on, on still to this day why it happened. It was hmm. happening during the burn. So when they were microwaving, whether there was a hole in the lining of the catheter that somehow shocked me, whether it was the microwave, because they're, you know, they're running a microwave inside my heart. Whether that did it, mm. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Right. I've never gotten a clear answer. At this point, you know, sure, would I, I like an answer to that, but I have more pressing concerns. Sure. Um, to be honest with you, I doubt they even fucking have an answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. it very well could be a thing where they go, yeah, that was weird, man. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, because this, you know, this procedure is yeah. relatively safe, but the mortality yeah. rate, I think, is still about 1% or 2%. Right. Um, I don't In know what fairness to every medical professional, like, they're doing their best yeah. and stuff. Absolutely. Happens, you yeah. know, like, last surgery sure. I had, yeah. uh, my doctor, the surgeon made an error. And <laughs> when I went back for my follow-up, she was like, I, I have to tell you the reason why I had to remove your gallbladder is because I, I, I accidentally tore it. <laughs> and so if we, if I had left it in you, it would have killed you. So I had to tear it out. I had to take it out. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about that. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa, that's so crazy. Like, yeah. thanks for telling me that. I yeah. did. I did. Yeah, I, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me the details. That's yeah. fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, like mistakes happen. Yeah. And there's a reason why you sign that waiver. You're going, you're basically signing. Yeah. Well, I sign off my life. There's a chance I could die. But you're also signing to say, and I understand that you are a human doing a job and sometimes mistakes happen and I'm not going to fucking sue you for a, a mistake that would make sense. Also, you know? I understand how fucking nuts it is that you can cut somebody open and do a repair job on their insides yeah, yeah. and then put them back together and they function normally again. Yeah, or, or somewhat like, normally. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So, so you go back to the ER, mm-hmm. you know, for this, you know, you're on your way to this lecture halfway through, you go back to the ER and are at this point, is it just a, are, are you coming to understand that like, okay, m- my life will now no longer be what it was when I was this like really handsome young lifeguard that was just erudite, well-read. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Is, is it, was there, was there this realization that like, oh fuck, like this, my life's going to be very different now. Not at that point. Oh, wow. Um, because the other aspect of this was, so you talk, you know, the, the, it did this, this, we waking up didn't occur, uh, didn't happen, um, wasn't reported in the surgeon's report. I did a follow up with him in, I think, late January. At this point, I'm, my condition's degenerating. I'm in severe pain. Um, I even commuting down to his office. I remember getting to his office was a goddamn ordeal. You know, coming up the uh, stairs at the, um, I think not the St. George subway station, but where the Peter Monk Cardiac Center is. Just those stairs were extremely painful. So I get into his office and say, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm not getting better. What's going on? And he dismisses it. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and um, refers me to a sports medicine doctor. So, uh, okay, and it, this is this is really frustrating talking about now because the, the will of right now has been through the system enough and knows how to advocate for himself enough that I wouldn't have put up with that. I would have said, no, this happened during the surgery. And your mom wasn't want, there at no. the time either. Yeah, yeah and not having yeah. a medical advocate, any, any medical yeah. advocate there um, – 
probably, yeah, certain, and it would affected my care. And it has several times actually when I've gone into emergency rooms alone. Um, because particularly if I'm not lucid, I'm not able to communicate the very complex and bizarre nature of my case and will get dismissed. It's happened a number of times. Mm. Um, so to kind of, I, I, I'll fast forward through this bit cause it's not a, a happy part of the story. My condition starts to get worse and worse and worse, um, physically, um, Eventually, I actually have to come back here to Nova Scotia because my family doc is here um, to enter the system here to start to get care. And I'm eventually, I'm in bad, bad shape. I'm in severe chronic pain, really um, physically diminished to the point of almost being pretty much disabled. And uh, I put on a bunch of weight because I've been super, super depressed. So I've been eating and drinking my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I eventually get in the system here and get referred to a neurologist. Was, um, sorry to, neurologist. Sorry to, what the fuck? Sorry to interrupt before we get sure. to the ne- neurologist. Um, I, I have been interested in in kind of what like the emotional journey has been like since the start because now we're now we're getting to a point where you know you mentioned that you're feeling depressed and that and that kind of evidently is becoming a factor because the the um, syndrome is getting so degenerative. Mm-hmm. Was there like a switch along the way where you're like, okay, I'm dealing with this Wolf Parkinson White syndrome. I don't necessarily know a lot about it yet, uh, but I know it's something that I'm I'm living with. Mm-hmm. How was your um, emotional dialogue or internal dialogue taking place throughout the course of this? Oh, we got Bigby's in here. Oh, <laughs> back it up. Oh, get out. Um, um, yeah, what was what was your emotional the process of your emotional dialogue like in dealing with this? You know, it, it was there was there a point where it kind of flipped. Um, eventually, yeah, eventually, I'll, I'll get to that. Actually, that's that's coming up soon. Um, at this point, I was I was lost because mm-hmm. I you know I think this is it may be a something that's kind of unique to Canadians. We have almost this trust in our medical system. You know, like our medical system is one of the prides of the country. Go, and I'm going to trust these doctors and they will fix me. Um, and it's it's its belief and, and maybe even a naivete because I just kept being, okay, eventually a doctor is going to come and they're going to give me the care I need. Mm-hmm. And the interim, of course, are the wait times, especially in this province, um, take months and even years to get in to see um, care that may not even be relevant for your case. Um, so in my situation, you know, it, it you know, I'd, I'd, I'd left, I'd lost you know, everything that I, I live in an apartment, you know, lost job, um, independence, physical ability, ability to even just exercise, um, which was a huge part, you know, of my life. So I know I was spiraling downwards, but I felt lost because I didn't know, like, what could I do? Yeah. Ooh. I'm just, I'm a patient on this. I can't reach in and fix my body. I need to wait to find me- medical professionals who can. And at that point mm-hmm. it was okay. Get referred to a specialist. You know, go up the chain inside the medical system. Um, at the same time, I was seeing a physiotherapist um, to deal with the muscle damage from the surgery because it was um, the, there was a lot of kind of internal damage. The transverse abdominis had like partly atrophied. I was walking wrong, like literally, I was walking and swinging my hip my hip out. Mm. Um, so I saw this fantastic, fantastic physiotherapist who I still see now for a separate procedure. Um, so my condition was degenerating, and I just was just lost. I didn't know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty defeating. You know, it's it's yeah. it's hard to 
It's hard not to slip into that that low point, that like depressive kind of yeah. mode. And especially if you were like a super active guy and probably fed off that, you know, the endorphins that get released when you're active and like that, you know, that high you yeah. get from exercising. And then once that goes, like the exponential kind of like mm-hmm. plummeting that can just result from not being able to move your body like you used to. Yep. Yeah. That's, you know. And so, like, in this time when you were dealing with all this stuff, did you ever find anyone who had anything similar? No. No. And that's got to be, like, you know, there's so many th- so many medical issues out there where people, like, there's somewhat of a support group. Especially now online, you can find someone mm-hmm. who has something and you can, you know, talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, having someone something that no one has. Yeah, like, it's really isolating. It's isolating, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, and, and condition kept getting worse and getting worse. I, I had the first visit with, there was a bit of a change between the first visit with a neurologist. Um, and he did, you know, very long history, you know, 45 minute history. The whole appointment was about an hour and a half. Um, and at this point, I'd been doing the physiotherapy for a while. And I'd actually gone and the will of three years before would have never believed this ever possible. But I went to a yoga class. <laughs> What's and, up? And, oh, and yeah. you know the the machi- you know the old world of the machismo been like yoga, you know, that's, that's sissy stuff. You know, I'm not going to do that because I remember there was a, a girl I was I was seeing when I was in Toronto who kept trying to get me to yoga class, and I'd always put her off. And of course, the in my own mind, like, I'm not going to fucking yoga class. Like, what is this <laughs> stuff? Um, the irony, of course, is yoga. I do yoga all the time now, and it's become a crucial, integral part of my recovery. Um, so I started kind of taking baby, baby steps out of this hole. And between the time, so this is, I think, 2014. Um, like there's just huge, a huge jump in time. Because again, when your specialist appointments are six to 12 months apart, use a lot of time sitting on and your And that's hands. the crazy yeah. thing too, if your special appointments, specialist appointments are that far apart and then you go see a specialist and you're no further ahead. You don't get, yeah, yeah, just, right? It's just kind of like, well, we still don't yeah. know. So yeah. come back in six months and we yeah. might, or go see this person in six months if you get in. Yeah. And then yeah, you just you like, that's got to be hard on your confidence in terms of mm-hmm. what are they going to do anyway kind of thing. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because that's with this follow-up visit with this neurologist, that's exactly what happened because from, I think it was December, so this may be 2013 to summer, and I fit a follow-up with him in summer of 2014, I I believe if memory serves. Um, I had started okay to kind of take some, take a bit of this recovery into my own hands. So I'd been going to yoga on a regular basis. Um, Shout out Therapeutic Approach on Quimpool, fantastic studio. Sweet. Sorry, sorry, Jeremy. Um, hey, it's okay. I love Taze. Yeah. So They're great, great, great I'd, people. I found a fantastic osteopath uh, and a fantastic acupuncturist and was kind of doing some of those treatments, maybe a couple times a month. But I went into that visit in summer. And this is, you talk about one of those inflection points in your life. This was one of them. I walked into the neurologist's office feeling I'd made some real progress. You know, my pain levels were better. I was a bit more physically able. So I went in literally with notes and an agenda about what I wanted to talk about. And I got about halfway through this visit talking about what I'd done, where I am now, where I hope to go, his input, what suggestions that he had, what can I do, what, what help can he provide me, what can I do myself? And he cut me off. And he said to me, you know, don't focus on this. 
focus on your, it's time to focus on quality of life. And at first, you know, it was, it was a blow because I'd, I'd been making progress. Like I, my condition's not static and it's never been static for better or worse. So I'd feel like I've been making progress here. And to have someone who you thought was this, you know, authority from on high tell you, no, this is like, this is it. You're locked into this. This is what your life is right. now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't expect any better. And so it took a while, but finally I eventually had the attitude of fuck that, you know, fuck that, fuck this, fuck him. I'm going to prove him wrong. Um, cause one of my, you know, you do job interviews, they say, what's your, your greatest strength and greatest weakness Yeah. for me, it's one and the same is that I'm stubborn. <laughs> and so that can be a weakness because I'll dig in on something. It's been a huge problem in relationships, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, and I come from a long family history of stubborn people, but in a weird way, it's been one of my biggest strengths in this recovery because it's enabled me to just keep going through at times brutal treatments and really, really bad days and bad weeks and bad months. So I remember, I think it was in October of that year, finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to lock down. I'm going to do every single thing in my power to see how much progress I can make before um, my next birthday, April. And it was like, I mean, as, as, however, Monday, October, November, December, January, February, and April, it was like a goddamn boot camp. Dude, yeah, this is the crazy part. I remember reading this in your application. You yeah. became a doctor in six months. It was crazy. And now you've totally Whoa. treated yourself. This is yeah. a movie. <laughs> this feels like the montage part of the movie where you're just training your ass off. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, this I is had a tiger montage, playing yeah. in the background you, for six you, months. You laugh, but yeah. I, was, I was living in, in Clayton Park at, at this point. I was literally at this point, I've been walking. And at this point, I started at the beginning of this, just kind of some light jogging. I ran all winter, like literally (laughs) like Rocky in Rocky five training in the middle of Russia. I had (laughs) like ice cleats and I'm going on running on a trail (laughs) and I'm doing yoga, run yoga, run yoga, crash. Like it was to kind of push my body as far as it could go. Crash, push, crash, push. How was your heart during this? Like. So I still have a few ER visits in this period. There's actually a funny story. (laughs) Um, So at this point, so to get back to that April, by June of that year, I actually go back to the gym and do a lot of my old weight routine. From even a year before that, I mean, if I had tried that, I would have ended up in the emergency room. So that was a real significant victory for me. Mm. And, And you know, this may sound like I'm blowing smoke up my own arse, but it was because of me. Right. It was because of I started doing, you know, osteopathy, acupuncture. I did a lot of yoga. I pushed myself, found these alternatives. And, you know, and part of me, even just for spite, wanted to sit back in the neurologist's office and kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and that has to be empowering for you in just your day to day life, yeah. being able to get through one of those workouts and be, you know, for the rest of the day, know that, okay, I got that, yeah. you know? It was. Um, now, where the, the so this is where I, maybe this is the, the, the you know the third act conflict comes in. Right. Um, one of the things that I, when I was in really bad physical shape, I didn't notice this side effect. But one of the things that had happened was I started to have really limited cognitive endurance. So if I was to sit down and you know reading something more passive is fine, but if I was just why well, was to sit down and write something. 
like really concentrate, right? Like I was in, in grad school before I got sick and, you know, in academia. So I was a pretty good academic writer. I could only last about 45 minutes before those vasal vagal symptoms started to come. Right. I'd start to get, you know, kind of, it'd be difficult to concentrate, difficult to speak. I start to get pain. Like literally me sitting at a desk, you know, I, after a while I started doing Rosetta Stone just as something to kind of mark it. Mm-hmm. I'd get pain, like physical pain just from sitting down and concentrating. <laughs> that sounds like Jeremy when he's doing math. Yeah. 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 It really hurts his lower pain. back. Yeah. 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 Is that how you threw your back out doing yeah. math? By yeah. depositing <laughs> some checks for yeah. sick wish. He couldn't <laughs> find his phone calculator. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was an ongoing lingering issue because I was getting to a point where I'd never be physically as able as I was before the surgery. Mm. I, in a weird way, come to terms with that because I was still relatively physically able and maybe we could make some progress. The big thing right now was this cognitive issue, because if I could only have an hour of cognitive work, maybe two, maybe three times a day, I mean, I couldn't finish my degree. I couldn't get, you know, uh, the type of work I was looking at going into, that became the focus at that point. Like, so mm-hmm. all that year, the sh- focus turned, what are these cognitive symptoms? How can I get, treat that? And around summer of that year, around actually June, I started seeing a physiatrist who started um, doing nerve block injections into my belly. At first, it was just lidocaine. What the fuck's a physiatrist? So a physical <laughs> medicine specialist. Okay. Yeah. And this doctor was one of the best that I've had. Um, fantastic doctor. Relatively this is in Halifax. Young. In Halifax, yeah. yeah. Um, she's, uh, she's fantastic, young and, and an open-minded approach. And I have a lot of criterium, what separates a good doc from a bad doc. Open-mindedness is one of the big ones. Uh, I run into again and again and again, doctors who, if it doesn't, if they weren't taught it in medical school 30 years ago, or it hasn't come up in their, in their continuing medical education since it does not exist. Right. Like there's no, I call them, um, this is a, a very obscure reference. I call them Horatio's. Because there's a line, great line in Hamlet um, when he's talking to his buddy Horatio. I thought you were talking about CSI Miami. No. <laughs> um, but he says, uh, you know, there's more things on heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Meaning the, the world and human bodies are a very complicated place. Um, and so there's more, there's more than we can ever yeah. know. You know, which is the yeah. thing that it, it's almost that humbling pers- perspective that I think you need in, in any you know, facet of life to be successful too, to Mm -hmm. know that you're a lot smaller than everything else. Dude, these physiatrists, I'm looking up this physiatry. Mm -hmm. This is fucking crazy. These guys know their shit. Yeah. (laughs) You need a bachelor of medicine, Mm -hmm. a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and a doctor of medicine. I'd believe it. Wow. To become a physiatrist. Wow. That's That's crazy. What, like uh, almost 16 years of school? That's a lot of school, man. Yeah, a branch of medicine that aims to enhance and restore functional ability and quality of life to those with physical impairments or disabilities. Mm -hmm. A physician having completed training in this field may be referred to as a physiatrist. Physiatrists specialize in restoring optimal function to people with injuries to the muscles, bones, ligaments, or nervous system. That's fucking crazy. I've never heard of a physiatrist in my life. I should see a physiatrist for my low back. <laughs> I can I can I can give you the, the name of mine. Good I actually referral. wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind getting that number. Um, uh, so where are you at now? Like, what's the what's Will today? Well, so this you got is, this ice pack. I mean, you know, yeah. Thank so fuck you, you got that handed down to you from generations of 
of Scottish ice pack collectors. So the worst is yet to come. Oh fuck! What? Yeah, holy! Um, like I, I warned you guys. This is wait. A long did you say the story. worst is yet to come? To like now? No, like you're story. like it's coming in the next week in this story. Oh, okay. the rapture. This, this is not. This is not a nine typical ninety minute movie. This is a three yeah. and a half hour like yeah. Yeah. list. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be a great Netflix series. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, give me eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. right. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Okay, so we we just had this whole like montage. Will's getting better. You're taking it into your own hands. Yep. You're ready to you know overcome whatever <laughs> obstacles lie ahead. Yep. And then what happens? So I start seeing the physiatrist and getting these nerve block injections, right? For for the the cognitive issues, right? Because that's the real. That's this, the one that's really yeah. pulling you down. It is. So I you know physically relatively able, but that's the, that's the final hurdle to overcome. Right. Is mm-hmm. these cognitive issues. Um, so I start getting the nerve. I remember working myself up into kind of this vasovagal state, lying down on the table in the neurologist's office. She puts the needle in and instantaneously my head clears. Now, Whoa. I thought at the time it was the lidocaine. Looking back, since I've been doing dry needling as part of the core of my um, treatments now, it may just have been the physical act of the needle penetrating the muscle to force it to release that cleared my head. So long story short, I am like, okay, nerve blocks. Holy shit. I found it. I found the Holy grail. This is fine. Like the medical system, you finally came through for me. (laughs) Um, So I, okay. Yeah. She can only do lidocaine. So she refers me to an anesthetist to start a procedure of nerve blocks. And I start the first one um, in December, um, get a test one, and it's not, you know, lidocaine, it's not Botox, not what they would normally use for a nerve block. He wants to try this procedure called prolotherapy. And what it is, is it's a dextrose solution, sugar solution. So what you'll do is he'll put it in and the I, theory, I guess, behind it is it will irritate the nerve enough to cause healing or to promote healing uh, is my understanding of it. I'm not a super layman's, I'm not a, yeah, sure. yeah, super, super layman's. Um, the first one goes okay. It actually helps with the pain, but it's there's a little bit of a like a granular thing there. It's really hard to describe now. Now I'm a bit of an intense personality. I'm kind of zero to ninety. Um, so he suggests one of the possibilities is a is a, an extended course of these nerve block treatments. It's five days in a row, um, ten cc's each day. Um, so basically, ten needles every day for wow. five days. Uh, as well as a deep tissue injection of the prolotherapy. Sounds fun. Oh, man. <laughs> so this is, this is where things start to go downhill. I do the first round with one deep tissue injection into my hip, and it's a really bizarre experience. You get the acute sensation of being stabbed. Yeah. Like literally. Because you're being uh, fucking stabbed. You you feel it like sliding through layers of your flesh and your body's like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is bad. Um, So he does that. And the first procedure, 
I mean, it helps a bit, but not really. And looking back now, this is this will be one of the great mistakes of my life was not immediately stopping this. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I, I've been in recovery for two years at this point. It had been a long, hard road. I gambled. I was like, I dub- went double or nothing. And you had a glimpse of, of relief from mm. the So you're thinking, mm-hmm. man, let's just let's you know go what? hard. It, yeah. it hurts like hell. But you know what? That, fine. Pain, pain is, is just an aspect of this. I, yeah. I can deal with the pain as long as it gets me the results I want. And I think it was the second one. And in particular, he did a deep tissue nerve injection in the center. And after that, about 10 minutes after he did the deep tissue one, the entire right side of my body went numb. Ooh. Like at one point I was like, am I having a stroke? Wow. Um, the prolotherapy was an utter unmitigated disaster. It ended in about February of 2016. At this point, I wasn't even bedridden. I was basically floor ridden. I couldn't even lay down on a bed because it was too soft. My belly would spasm and clench up and it would be just agony. And so is this nerve damage then that has happened? Like yes. the attempt to block the nerves has made the nerves worse. Yeah. And the muscle. So I only learned about this after the fact and talking to people. This is one of the things like, I don't know how on God's green earth this doc thought this was ever a good idea. And I don't know why on God's green earth I ever agreed to it. But because I had sourced, I'd gotten my medical advocate, my mother, and she mm-hmm. said, okay, you know, this guy seems, the physiatrist trusted this guy. He seemed to know what he was doing. So I decided to give it a go. But what ended up happening was the muscle was severely scarred, a hypertonic, meaning it was always in a clenched state. And of course, inside that are super hypersensitive nerves. Um, so the best way to picture this is if you bump your elbow, you know, you get I the, hate that feeling. Yeah, yeah, me too. But imagine that's pain. But that nerve, that sensation is trapped inside the worst Charlie horse you've ever had in your life. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, that's man. what yeah, my yeah, life was like yeah. from about March to about June. Oh, so you were you were like constantly feeling that in that like the, it was the pain was intense, to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. Mm. And at this point, so I had was on two separate painkillers. I was on up to about 400 milligrams of tramadol, which is a synthetic opiate, and then 225 milligrams of Lyrica. And they were somewhat helping, um, but not that much. I mean, I would still get pain. They were good for kind of the base level pain, but I would get spike. Like it's a really weird sensation. Um, I don't know if, if you've ever had issues with pain. But there's the term. <laughs> I'm having some <laughs> right now. Oh, I'm did applying, he mention his lower I'm back? I'm literally applying much. Voltaren to my back <laughs> as you say that. Powerful Voltaren. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't get much pain. Sure. Uh, like due to the due to my chronic illness, but sure. Um, you know, unless it's like pain associated with, it, like in October when I had surgery, like that was mm. a pretty painful you know, a few weeks, but no, I don't, it's not something that I deal with like on a day to day. Sure. So then you're, you're in pain for three months. You said you're just like basically floor ridden, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So in pain, I mean, it was in pain that entire year. Um, so from about March to May, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I have 2017, like 2016. Okay. Yeah. So this is 2016. Um, yeah, all the I mean, and it was it was devastating. Mm-hmm. You know how many years of hard work, um, of how many procedures, just gone. You know, evaporated. And if anything, I was 
uh, worse than I'd ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was almost completely physically disabled, severe, severe, severe pain. The cognitive issues were worse. Like I couldn't read, like read. I couldn't read more than a page. I couldn't drive. Um, I was, I was literally floor ridden. I used to sleep on a yoga mat with no pillow because that was the only thing. Everything was so hypersensitive. It Jesus. Take. Like I couldn't support myself on my hands and knees. The belly it would spike and so cause a spasm. So what would you do like during the day? Like you just like. I would lie there do? and watch Netflix for three months. Canadian the, Netflix at that. Oh, God. Oh. So <laughs> um, God. Another aspect of this, which I only learned afterwards, <laughs> was also was one of the side effects of the Lyrica. Because Lyrica is kind of similar to Cymbalta. And I'm familiar with Cymbalta, ah, yes. but not yeah. Lyrica. Ah, yes. <laughs> I actually have no idea yeah, what either of those are. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, I'd been on Cymbalta before and really, really bad side effects. And this one, I was looking back that entire period, I was, I mean, it was bleak. Like, it was bleak. What are they? Are they pain, pain suppressors or like muscle yeah, relaxants? So, um, Lyrica specifically is a neuro, I think it's a neuropathic pain medicine. Okay. Um, non-opiate. Okay. Um, but you still get withdrawal symptoms from the Lyrica were much worse than they were for the tramadol. Right. Much, much worse. The tramadol was a godsend. Um, clean pain relief, minimum of side effects, especially in compared to the Lyrica. Mm. But the biggest side effect of the Lyrica was it was brain fog and it was apathy. Like that kind of spite and stubbornness yeah. was yeah. gone. Right. I was just, you know, in this kind of really, you know, self-pitying, you know, woe is me state. And finally, um, it was about May. I started, I decided to come out, try and come off the Lyrica, which turned out to be the, the exact thing that was needed. Heart, it was three weeks to taper off of it. And I had the, it was like having the flu for three straight weeks, just nasty, nasty withdrawal symptoms. But I still remember actually, and in, in talking of inflection points, um, because I took the last Lyrica ever. Uh, the day I went in to interview for the chronic pain self-management program here in, at the at Dalhousie. And from there, I just started to dig myself out of the hole again. So at first, it was just, just walking 10 minutes a day. Because I could do it in comfortable shoes if I got moving. Um, but, you know, like I, I could only stand up in the shower for like four or five minutes on the hard floor before the pain got too bad. Cooking was an ordeal. I'd be, you know, sit, stand, sit, stand, sit, stand. Um so I started just kind of walking 10 minutes a day and then bit by bit, inch by inch, um, I started doing dry needling, um, to deal with the hypertonicity of the muscle. Funny way. I actually dry um, needling yourself or <laughs> so this is a funny story because dry needling hurts like hell. Is that just yeah. sticking a needle in you? It's acupuncture, except like it depends on who the person yeah. doing it is, but dry needling is essentially like acupuncture except they take the needle and like they move it really fast up and down really quickly so So basically you're just getting a fucking yeah stick and poke tattoo but no but it goes in really like like uh, you dry needling can go like four or five inches into your muscle and then (laughs) they go i've I've been having it on my shoulder it helps yeah should i get it on my back definitely all right yeah Yeah. if it's a muscle probably help actually yeah it sounds horrible so you did it yourself yeah. So the first time, so I got a really, really bad spasm and this, like w- when this would, when the belly would spasm, <coughs> I mean, you're the pain, there's so much pain. You're not lucid. Yeah. You just go into like panic mode that yeah. doesn't even, you're not even panic. It's just nothing. Yeah. You're not making any rational <sighs> decisions. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I had an old syringe, 
Um, oh. Sterile, sterile. Mm-hmm. Okay, sterile, but left over from the prolotherapy because part of the five days in a row was then I'd have um, the, the rest at home. So, and it was one of those things I said, fuck it. And I literally took the syringe out of the packet, took it off, and I jabbed it into my belly. Oh my God. Whoa. And it Dude, went. That's nuts. <laughs> it, the knot released instantaneously. Oh. Interesting. And oh. so I, I, I still remember I said to myself, there might be something to this. So I, you know, looked around and I found um, this was an actual procedure and I found someone who did it and I started going. Um, and I've done probably, I mean, 50 to maybe even 100 dry needlings by now. Um, wow. and yourself or through? No, some, through, through, a, through, through yeah. a trained, yeah. okay, okay, through a trained okay, physiotherapist. Okay. But you found that it worked by doing it yourself. Yeah. yeah. So what it is for me is, so they take a, an acupuncture gauge needle and they find scar tissue or, or damaged um no damaged muscle, and they go into it, and they basically will like break it up. And there's several different procedures, Jesus. there's several different um, methodologies. Um, I went to one who had one methodology for a while, and then now I'm actually um, seeing this one of the phys- uh, physiotherapists I saw um, ages ago. But I do it every week in my belly. It hurts. Yeah, I remember it's, it's, getting it's, it's, it done, it's not fun getting it done recently to the point that I. I'm a wimp anyway, but like I almost cried. Like it was that. Whoa, was that painful? And I yeah. asked my doctor who was doing. It, I'm like, do people cry often doing this? He's like, oh yeah, three people today. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> like it's it's really painful. Yeah. Jesus, but it, but the relief afterwards is, is huge. Is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I have a trick actually for when it gets really bad. Um, I don't know if anyone else is, but when I was a kid or growing up, if you have, if you're like in pain, if you cause yourself more other source of pain it somehow enables you to distract it's like a distracting Ooh. so i literally will take my thumbnail and like run it back and forth um so i'm on the table like gripped onto the table with this hand holding like 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 doing this um writhing as much as i can while they're because you got to be yeah. still and i'm like humming lay miz to myself <laughs> and that's kind of how i can get through the really really yeah, bad parts lay miz. very terrible very painful damn right yeah <laughs> so what are, where are you at today What's the, what's Will today? So Will today, um, you know, it's been, it'll be two years in June since I, I started in, in this version of this chapter of the recovery. I um, mean, you know, I've come a long way, but I mean, I started in a really, really, really bad shape. Mm. Um, so, and the cognitive issues are still the number one. Um, like even now I'm a bit more, you know, I have a difficult, more difficult speaking. You can hear I'm kind of slurring my words a little bit, even just to kind of sustain conversation, even mm. on a, on a normal day, like a, you seem, a baseline You seem day. like totally sharp to me though, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. in this last hour. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, like, I think yeah. the other thing is, I, I Except think. for that whole part that we had to cut out that <laughs> no one will hear, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. uh, I yeah. think Will is, is a naturally quite intelligent person too. And like your, your ability to, you know, sustain a conversation at this level, it might not be now at the same uh, peak capacity that you were able to before yet. It's still obviously quite intelligent. And you basically, you basically like lowered yourself to our level, which we we appreciate. Like you you on a bad day (laughs) are smarter than me on a good day. (laughs) Me on a bad day is, I'm not in good shape on a bad day, but, uh, but thank you. Yeah, no, it's, 
So where I'm at right now, but you drove here today. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. No, so so I've been slowly regaining. I mean, I mean slowly, but very hard fought for. I mean, I, you know, I've been dry needling every week. I've started doing more osteopathy. A big part of this actually is I'm doing nerve flossing treatments. Um, so I did the chronic pain self management program through Dow, which was great. Eventually, you know, I got in to see a doc through there, who's been somewhat helpful. The problem is this can my condition. It's there's two separate injuries now that are connected but separate. Right. Um, I have been to, so now, two neurologists, a physiatrist, a general surgeon, uh, randomly a chiropractor, probably half a dozen emergency room docs, half a dozen, um, well, probably a dozen emergency room docs, half a dozen family docs. Um, I mean, Jesus, I don't know how many other specialists. I went to the Integrated Chronic Care Service out in Fall River, which is kind of like the island of misfit toys for this province. Mm. <laughs> and currently at this moment, I've actually an application before the provincial health authority for a referral to go to the Montreal Neurological Institute. So I've been through everybody in the province. Mm. Um, no one's really been off, able to offer me any kind of treatment plan or path. Again, it's me kind of finding a lot of things except for the nerve flossing, which came out of a, a great physiotherapist through the Nova Scotia rehab center. Um, so where I'm at today, you know, I've made a lot of progress. One of the things I was able to do about two months ago was actually go to the track and run a little bit. Mm. I wasn't able to move for two days afterwards, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I was able to do a kilometer straight. Um, and There's more than I can do. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this my is... my back is really bad. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's why. All right. Um, it's just, you know, this... I mean, that, where I'm at right now is a whole other conversation. A is, lot there, the, is there hope? Do you, do you feel a God. sense of hope or? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I am skittish to use the word hope. One of my attitudes in, in life, but specifically in this recovery is hope for the best, prepare for the worst and all your surprises will be pleasant ones. That's a, that's a so, wow, that's great. That's, yeah. a, that's a good outlook. Yeah. So we, we can title the episode that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so I just, yeah, I, I keep going today. You know, today with the way my schedule works, I'm on three treatments a week. I need about 36 hours to recover from them. Um, the nerve hypersensitization particularly gets really, really bad. Like yesterday was not a very pleasant day. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It, it's a weird thing. At the beginning of every quarter, I sit down, I map out. I'm doing osteo this day. I've got this special appointment this day. I've got, I map out all my dry needlings, map out what yoga I'm going to do what day, what treatment this day. And then it's just like a clockwork soldier. You just follow the script. But Brian the mentioned script. that something about a medical degree. Like what's? No. Uh, that, that was a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at this point, I consider myself a bit of an, an armchair neurologist. Because right. um, there's a lot of, you know, there's so many issues regarding this and there's a lot that, like, it's funny you mentioned about um, online communities. One of the big ones for me actually is the chronic pain subreddit. So my pain levels are mm. a lot better right now. Um, relatively, I still will get really, really bad days. Uh, I don't, I'm not on any opiates right now or any heavy-duty painkillers. Um, but it's one of those things that that was a community that was really, really helpful to me. Um, because it's – so this is a much broader issue and, and I don't know if you guys – you know, do you want to talk about it too much, but the, the difficulty for chronic pain patients in getting their medications right now is a bit of an overcorrection with the larger opioid crisis mm. is a yeah, huge that's, issue. That's a, right that's now. a conversation so, that we're wow, looking to have with like yeah. a, with a, a, a chronic pain specialist who, who actually please, please do. reached out yeah. and it, it would be, it's one of the things that we've been mm -hmm. hoping to, to touch on for yeah. a while now. So 
It's a fucking, that's a topic, you know, that's yeah, a topic yeah. that definitely needs touching on. One so. of the questions, uh, I'm interested in after having this conversation, Will, is, sure. is like the, there's obvious, it's, it's obvious that there has been, um, errors in, in your care. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm wondering if some of the flaws of like the fact that you're in this, um, system where it's really hard to find, the correct treatment for you. Is it because the correct treatment isn't out there Mm -hmm. or is it because the people who have seen you just don't know that it exists? So it's a very good question. Um, You know, part, so there's multi, there's multi facets to this answer. Part of this is medical error. Practitioner error has been a constant part of my recovery. Um, That is, that is a fact. Um, and I've had fantastic doctors. I've had incredible doctors and nurses. I've had terrible ones too. And one of the things that I will tell people, specifically if I'm you know writing in the chronic pain subreddit, is you need to advocate for yourself. You have to and be civil, be respectful. You know, you're dealing with professionals. Always be professional, but at the same time, expect professionalism. So when you're going into a medical situation, have done some research yourself. Have lists questions like i always go in with an agenda questions for specialists past present future what i'm doing where i am now what i hope to go ask their opinion and very quickly you can separate the good doctors from the bad doctors um they're the ones who are open-minded who ask follow-up questions who it's not a one-way street it's not like they're giving you this information and nothing that you say will change their outlook of your situation in your case mm-hmm. um a lot of it is frankly that why condition and my specific interaction of injuries and chronic injuries and illnesses and blah, 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 are beyond a lot of these doctors. Some of them can offer maybe a piece of advice for part of it. Um, That's one of the reasons I'm interested in going. I think it's a neurophysiatrist at the Montreal Neurological Institute. Um, So maybe this person will have some answers. I don't know. Um, so you're almost responsible uh, responsible for putting the pieces to your puzzle together bit by bit through speaking with all these different mm-hmm. specialists yeah. along the way. Yeah, it's it's funny. When I was going through the Integrated Chronic Care Service, um, which is – so it's out in Fall River and they deal with like the weird, the really wacky and, and weird cases. That, we should uh, get some referrals from them. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's um, a gentleman named Dr. Fox runs it. Um, it's a scent-free environment. Like it literally looks like a pool locker room. Um, the whole facility, it's really, really interesting. Um, but it's something where, you know, I'm kind of on what is mostly a self-directed care plan. Um, I will go and find these treatments. And if I see benefit from them, I will continue them. Dry needling, for example, was one of them. I found almost instantaneous, um, you know, results with it. And so I do it every week, despite the fact that, you know, you volunteer to go in and get stabbed with little tiny needles once a week. It's <laughs> not that fun. Um, I'm seeing more of my osteopath right now because he's actually working the vagus specifically. So he's actually going back to the original injury mm. and that's his job is just to work that. Um, and then the nerve flossing deals specifically with the hypersensitization in the, in the rectus and then the skin and all the belly fat and, and, and that. So, but what you're saying though is interesting because you're, yours is obviously a, an extreme case. Yeah, and you're talking yeah, about is. how like you really have to be your own advocate, but I think mm-hmm. that's fairly universal in terms of any mm-hmm. illness or yep. disease that anyone is dealing with. Like yep. you really, at the end of the day, kind of got to trust your gut because mm. 
a doctor isn't you, you know? Yeah, yeah. man. Like, I'm kind of, I'm split down the middle too because, like, obviously doctors know and, I mean, compared to myself, like, a mm-hmm. doctor would obviously know infinite more knowledge about illnesses and, and medical practices than I would. So, like, I would obviously tend to listen to them. But if you were in a specific instance where you're dealing with something and you need to educate yourself on that yeah then that's where some of those questions can come from that you can ask to try to you know advocate more properly for yourself but i also appreciate the fact that a doctor does know a fucking shit ton yeah. right yeah 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 that's why we call them doctors yeah you know? like yeah <laughs> they, they didn't they, they spend time to do the, i i i think that you know there's and and you were as you were speaking there, Will. You were like, I've had some good doctors and I've had some bad doctors. And in my head, I went, Well, did you have bad doctors or did you have some doctors that made some bad calls? Right? Like, there's sure. you know, just because a doctor fucks up doesn't make them a bad doctor. Sure. I think that I think that again, like we're dealing with we're dealing with humans, and humans tend to inherently make mistakes. Sure. It's just a, it's just a part of the fucking, that's just how we operate. We, we can't, none of us are, none of us are Chris Hadfield, right? Like none of us are on that fucking level. Chris Hadfield does not make mistakes. We all know this, (laughs) but he's the only one, you know, like that's the, the, the thing is that, and yes, I'm sure there are fucking shitty doctors out there. For example, that piece of shit that's going to jail for 175 years for touching all those girls in the fucking right. Olympics. Yeah. That's a that's a bad doctor. Yeah. That's a bad doctor. That's a fucking That's a, a bad doctor, doctor is not that's a doctor who who fucking yeah. makes a bad call on a patient because they thought something different. You know what I mean? Like the, and your experience just is so complex and complicated. Yeah, that it's you're like just, you're bound. You're probably bound to have doctors. You're almost that are more just like well, I, yeah. I, I don't. I, you're almost I don't more know. likely to have doctors make bad calls because yeah. Yeah. their yeah. lack of experience and in they're that trying. Yeah. And I've been in and out of the medical system my entire life, and for the most part, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, all the calls have been right. But I'm a very like black and white case where Mm -hmm. it's like, this is what you have. We've seen this a fucking million times before. This is what we do to treat it. And this is why it works. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like someone comes in and they're like, holy fuck. We don't know. Like you're, you're, you're a whole bunch of fucked up. And we have no, like we, we've never seen this before. Like there should be, there we really should just be studying you and putting you in a lab. (laughs) Of course they're going to make mistakes. Right. And so, but I don't, but again, yeah, it's, They're also, when a doctor, when a doctor yeah. fucks up, it's like, who, you got to blame someone. Because so it seems like, to stem back to the, <laughs> the, the microwaving of the nerve. If you hadn't have woken up there, they probably would have fixed the problem. Yep. And that would have been that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We actually don't know. You we know? don't know anything. <laughs> I know. The, the I thing, don't know. The, I know. I you don't. know. One of the things that I, uh, most, uh, took away from from this conversation, I think uh, a lot of people. There's lots of people in the medical community that listen to this mm-hmm. podcast, and uh, I think the most important thing that I've taken away from this is that a good doctor is someone who is open minded, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a really powerful and accessible idea yeah. to a lot of people. Um, and when you can look for those doctors who are open minded, or be one of those doctors who are open minded, I think mm-hmm. that that will go a long way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
No, and that's because I, I have a doctor who's a I have a parent who's a doctor, and we've had long conversations, and it's been interesting to talk to her about, you know, her own approach, um, and what she sees in like colleagues of hers. Yeah, I mean, with regards to the complex look, the complexity of my case means I'm a really, really hard case to deal with, and I know that. And mm-hmm. when I say I've had, you know, doctors make errors. I know with the complexity of my case, that's going to be a factor. Some of them are just blatant errors, like missing the first ER visit I, I had, um, missing the gigantic, you know, Wolf Parkinson white on the top of the EKG sheet. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's a blatant error. You know, someone mm-hmm. screwed up at that. Yeah. Um, and it has at, nothing to do with the complexity of your illness. It's correct. just missing something on paperwork. Yeah, correct. Um, it's just, it's one of those things too that I rec- look, it's a, it's a hard freaking job, hard fucking job. Um, I have no doubt about that. Um, it's just, it's the open-mindedness is a big part. I am perfectly happy. Okay. Oh, this is the best way to put it. If when I walk into a doctor's office for the first time, a new specialist or what have you, I'm really nervous and I'm not nervous because of what they're going to tell me. I'm nervous. I won't be heard. Mm. And if I'm there and they say, look, I don't know how to treat you. I'll walk out of there being like, all right, they heard me. They, you know, gave their best shot. Um, I got an honest, you know, kick at the can. Okay. Then I'll, I'll move on. But the worst part is when you go in and they don't hear you. And part of, you know, in the back of my mind is maybe they could have helped me, but if they'd paid more attention to the complexity of the symptoms, the way all this stuff is interrelated mm. and, you know, then maybe had more of an open mind and less ego involved, particularly, I mean, emergency room doctors in my experiences are kind of like fighter pilots. There's a lot, there's a lot of ego involved. And if you try and kind of even bring up some contradictory information with a lot of ER docs, it doesn't go well. Some, some have been fantastic, but it is one of those things that all I want for them is to say, I, and even if it's subtextual, I hear you, I may not be able to help you, um, but I've heard you and I've given you, you know, the best open-minded approach I can have. Mm. So that's kind of a, the best way I can kind of sum it up at the moment. Um, yeah, and I yeah. think that's super valid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like we've talked about enough about, like having sat in on enough of these episodes in the course of the last two years filming these guys, like one of the questions that always comes up is like, what has this disease taken from you? And is there anything that it's given to you? Like, obviously it's taken a lot. We've heard crazy stories. But mm-hmm. is there anything like, is there a perspective that you've gained through going through all this? Or is, is there anything that, that you've kind of gained through this? Man, you know, it, it's forced me to be, I mean, I was already, you know, relatively disciplined before that kind of brings it to this. This has brought it to another level, particularly when you have to do really, really like it's one thing to kind of set a schedule when you got to, you know, when you're studying and got to stay to the library till 2 a.m. You know, that's that's not fun, but particularly when a lot of the treatments I do are sometimes brutal, mm. Um you know, just, just, just keep going, just keep going. That, if anything is, whether it's given me or whether that it's, it's kind of accentuated what was already there, but that ability to just kind of just keep going that, that stubborn aspect, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, I, whether it's a gift or whether it's given me or whether it's been kind of focused and honed and crystallized over the course of this, that's, that's the reason I'm here t- right now. I'm able to even just have this conversation is because I've been doing almost two years of really hard, treatments and physiotherapy and neurotherapy, neurophysiotherapy, dryling, blah, 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 mm. blah. Um, and I don't have any plans to stop anytime soon. 
you know, I'm, I'm on this path. I've built up momentum, Mm -hmm. which to me is the biggest thing is making that first positive step. Um, I guess that's kind of the best answer I have for that question. You you said earlier, you said that this has never been static and, and the fact that like two years ago, you can look back and see where you were. And and now today you can say that you're having this conversation, you drove here, you've been trying to run a little bit. Like, I think that hopefully if that's any indicator of the progression you've made and that you'll continue to make, it just (laughs) keeps heading that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks for coming in okay. and sharing. Thanks for having me, guys. All that with us. Thanks for listening to that whole thing because I yeah. knew coming in here, I was like, "Like this is this is a long <laughs> fucking story, guys." Yeah. Like this is a it's there's a lot of ups and downs to it. So. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another fascinating episode, as we always are. In the meantime, head on over to iTunes, hit that subscribe button, rate us, review us. Uh, we love reading those reviews, whether they're super positive or really, really negative. Uh, and hey, Andrew, what, what can you tell us about our Patreon campaign? Cause Taylor usually does this part. So is there any th- reason why you think people s- should support the podcast at patreon.com slash sick boy? Well, yeah, I think you guys put your life into this thing and anything that anyone can do to show support, to help you guys, you know, travel to more places, get your, you get your episodes mastered, get the stuff up online so people can continue, continually be entertained and educated by what you're doing. Head on over to, what is it? Patreon.com slash sick boy. One time somebody asked me how to spell Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon. Or just type something close to that into Google. Yeah. Patreon.com slash sick boy. It's on the internet on computers. And and a big thank you to Donovan Morgan. Um, what, were, what was Donovan's uh, name that we were going to give him? Donovan, uh, Donovan Snake Eyes Morgan. <laughs> thank you to Donovan Snake Eyes Morgan for the amazing uh, sound design on this this show. And uh, thank you to Take Part, the band that plays the intro and outro to this podcast. You can check out more of their music at takepartinthis.bandcamp.com. And uh, that's all we got. That's it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Andrew, the camera guy. <laughs> I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.